May all that you stand for and that we stand for be preserved under the providence of God for the happiness of mankind. The trouble is caused by unthinking people who carelessly throw away ageless ideals as if they were old and outworn machinery. But it is the values of individual liberty, equality before the law and the supremacy of people over the state to which we can always with confidence return as a powerful and uniting force. Australia is not a secular country. It is a free country. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to Pillow Talk. I think I need to start borrowing some of the lines from Andrew Claven. Uh, welcome to the fall of the Republic, he says. Uh, welcome to the fall of the Federation. Welcome to the fall of the Commonwealth. Uh, welcome as we laugh our way through the demise of Australia, because uh, if you didn't laugh, you'd have to cry. Uh, it's just getting crazier and crazier in this uh, supposedly free land under a supposedly liberal federal government. Uh, tonight, we're going to be talking about just how inverted reality has become. I think I'm certain, in fact, that we're living in an alternate reality. Uh, it's a parallel universe, perhaps. The laws of physics have been uh, unraveled and abandoned, and there's no such thing as gravity anymore. There's no such thing as right or wrong. Uh, right has become left and white has become black and the Liberal government has become totalitarian and authoritarian. Uh, the very people that we expect to protect our rights are now abusing our rights. The government is meant to protect citizens against threats foreign and domestic which jeopardise the freedoms God gave us. Uh, government didn't give us freedoms. God gave us freedoms. As the founders of the American Constitution and uh, democracy said, these rights are self-evident. They are unalienable. And yet uh, Scott Morrison, bless his cotton little socks, is doing his very best uh, along with the various state premiers to alienate our rights from us completely. And this isn't an indulgent, selfish uh, little concern. Uh, my life isn't terribly uncomfortable in lockdown. My income isn't terribly affected by uh, lockdown. My children's education isn't terribly affected. I'm okay. What I'm worried about is 25 million people whose opportunities to flourish and to even be healthy is being seriously jeopardised, as we'll talk about later tonight. But things are becoming so crazy. This isn't just me, that we've got celebrated celebrated prominent politicians from both the right and the left abandoning their uh, abandoning their parties and going, this is ridiculous. My major party is not the party that they promised to be, is not representing the values they promised to represent, is not made up of the people uh, giving the people that they promised to give voice to any voice at all. We're being totally ignored by the major parties. I wish it was different. I really want it to be different. Uh, but the fact is uh, that the universe is alternate. It's not the same anymore. And so we need to go back to the drawing board and, and say what used to work doesn't work anymore. We need to be strategic and less idealistic about it. I'm having to reconsider my, my philosophies. One of the philosophies I'm now considering, and I'm not yet, I don't think, 100% on board with it, is a philosophy called accelerationism, meaning 
uh, we're going badly anyway. Why not just get it over and done with rapidly and, and you know, have two or three terms of Labor government? And in that taking control over the when and where of the inevitable, we at least can get rid of all the Liberal Party politicians who are just not in the least bit representative of the conservative and classical liberalism that we expect from the coalition, the uh, Liberal Party. Uh, they're just far too polluted and infiltrated by radical leftists now, uh, and it's time we did something about it. Well, one of those celebrated high-profile politicians who said, enough is enough, had enough of these politicians who are ruining the party despite the presence of many good people in the party, is former Queensland Premier Campbell Newman, once the most popular elected Liberal in the nation when he was Lord Mayor of Brisbane. Uh, he then became Premier and had a devastatingly landslide victory against uh, the Labor Party at that time. And at the very next election, he lost nearly all of that ground. But even in that devastating defeat, uh, just one term later, he was far more popular than the current LNP government is, than, sorry, than the current LNP opposition is. He was, he was also far more popular then than Anastasia Palaszczuk was the last time she won the election. Uh, so he didn't actually do that badly in either election. But uh, joining me now to talk about uh, his reasons for quitting the Liberal Party in protest is Campbell Newman. We'll be posting more of these clips tomorrow because we actually had a fairly long conversation earlier today, and I'm just going to share about half of that with you now. Thank you so much for taking the time for the second time to uh, join me on uh, Pello Talk tonight. How are you? Great to be with you, David. Thanks for the opportunity. I'm great, but I feel like, um, uh, well, like so many of us do, a bit of a caged animal, given that um, while my daily needs are met, I'm told to stay in my home. People are barking commands at me and admonishing me. It's, you know, um, mm. got to wear a mask, all that sort of stuff. In fact, I reflect on, you know, the quality of life of my <clears throat> pet dog versus myself. And, you know, my dog actually has the advantage that when she goes out for a walk, she doesn't actually have to wear a mask. Um, so, you know, and look, it, it's just this, these are crazy times. And I just say to probably set a bit of a framework for how, I'd like to talk to you um, in this interview. Um, that look, I'm just so desperately concerned mm. about the future of Australia. I'm 58 in only a few days' time. I have never felt this worried about Australia, uh, who we are, where we're going, uh, and hopefully how we get out of this mess yeah. than, I, than I ever in my lifetime. Yeah. Well, happy birth week for your 58. Thank you. Now, um, we will uh, just show a, a, an excerpt of, of a longer interview um, in tonight's show. And for those watching, you'll be able to go to goodsource.news and find a post with uh, the full interview with, with Campbell Newman. That'll be around about half an hour in length. Um, but just for the purpose of tonight's show, uh, I think most people who would normally vote right of centre are right now desperately desperately concerned uh, about the direction Scott Morrison and some of the uh, allegedly liberal premiers are taking the direction of political policy on behalf of the right wing in Australia. And 
It's the opposite of liberal. It's authoritarian. And now you've just quit the LNP um, articulating many of these concerns. Can you please rehash the, the statement and, and just um, summarise the reasons why you've handed in your resignation to the LNP? Well, firstly, I have no quarrel with the you know, amazing men and women who are the rank and file of the Liberal Party, the Liberal National Party in Queensland, and I'm really sad to be um, breaking with the party. But the people who I'm cranky about and the people who've actually you know, caused me to reach this decision are actually the politicians from the LNP and the Liberal Party. They do not represent our values. They are not standing up for what the Liberal Party was all about. And the Liberal Party is all about middle Australia. It's about aspiration. It is about freedom and liberty. It is about supporting small business. It is about ensuring that the country is safe from external threats. Um, it's about um, being able to speak up um, and to associate with those that, that you want to associate with. Um, it's about being able to live your life with minimal government interference. It's meant to be about small government, about uh, frugal government, about spending tax dollars wisely. It's not about large deficits, huge increases in debt. Um, and it's also about reducing red tape um, uh, on, on our, us and our daily lives, but also on business, particularly on business. And just to close that off, I'm in business. And most people in the Liberal Party in their political wing have not. They haven't at all. They're political staffers or they come from industry associations and they have not an idea at all about running a small business. Well, I do. I know about it. And I can say that for six and a half years in my business, I have watched more and more red tape. I've seen more overreach from all sorts of government uh, regulators like the ATO or, you know, um, a whole range of Congos that are out there. And meantime, this coalition government sort of says, oh, but we're against red tape. Nonsense. The politicians of the Liberal and the Liberal National Party in the main, apart from a few isolated examples, who I'm, I'm happy to give them a, a big tick tonight, but apart from a few isolated examples, they are, to a man and woman, imposters. Yeah. They are imposters. And I just couldn't stay in there any longer. Now, if you want to talk liberty, when I see the um, police minister, for example, in New South Wales, and then supported by his Premier Berejiklian, call people who are desperately concerned, scared out of their, to their wits end about their livelihoods, call those protesters buffheads, where last year he was quite happy to wave through a Black Lives Matter protest and say, that was okay. That just shows breathtaking arrogance, a breathtaking yep. departure from the, the, the thoughts and the needs and the concerns of everyday Australians. And I'm not going to stand for it. I couldn't possibly be in that political party. Wow. Do you think there's any hope for the Liberal Party, the LNP? I mean, you've left, and, and so the answer may be self-evident, but it's possible that it's different for you than it is for the average person. Do you think an exodus from the Liberal Party would help solve its problems right now? Um, have you joined another party? Did uh, I think there's rumours abounding. Can you confirm them, or have I missed the, missed the confirmation that you're standing for the LDP? Look, at this stage, I'm not sort of um, able to talk about what I'm going to do other than what I'm thinking about doing. So I'm happy to do that. 
Yeah. Um, just first to the first part of your question, I don't think there's any hope for the Liberal Party, certainly not for the LNP. And just to be very clear, because I'm aware many loyal members of the LNP are watching, just they need to know this. The six and a half years I watched while the state opposition refused to stand up for the things that we did when we were in government that were the policy of the LNP, yep. the, the reform of hospitals, um, yep. trying to reduce the size of government, um, kicking the criminal gangs out of Queensland. I could go on, but they refused to stand up for me. Anyway, I, I suffered, sometimes not always in silence, but generally out of loyalty, I kept my mouth shut. Then I was invited to go on the executive by the former president of the LNP, Cynthia Hardy. I thought, okay, I can make a difference from within. I will soldier on. When she put my nomination up to the um, executive, it was opposed by every MP in the room, by uh, David Littleproud, by um, Peter Dutton, by Jared Blay and Tim Mander, and also the federal president of the Liberal Party, Mr John Olson. So when you get that sort of feedback, you know it's mm. time to go. So, look, I don't think that I could make a difference from the inside. So turning to my plans, well, it's like this. I am having a really good look at whether I will stand for the Senate for Queensland, either as an independent um, or with a party. Meantime, I have been absolutely blown away, David, by the supporting emails and messages I've been getting. Uh, I have, um, for example, in a 48-hour period, I had about 160 messages via my website and two said, you know, you're a traitor. The rest were incredibly supportive, many, most from Queensland, but many from around the country. So yep. I'm encouraged by that. And I just say to people, if you want me to stand, and if I decide to do that, I promise you this, I will be your champion. I won't stand up for this nonsense. I won't yep. sit there in silence like these uh, political operatives, the political class, the insiders in Canberra. Uh, if I go to Canberra, I'm going to make waves and hold whatever government's there to account. Yep. Now, you've been the man in the captain's chair before. You, you understand the realities, uh, as you as you talked about, and, and my idealism doesn't have to accommodate, uh, but, you know, the realities of, of political possibility as opposed to um, political idealism. Um, what do you think, if, if we were to have some sympathy and, and some empathy for the difficulty of the job that Scott Morrison's facing right now and, and Gladys and, and Stephen Marshall. Um, you know, right-wing people ostensibly from a, a liberal value base, uh, what's the path out for them without, without, you know, shooting themselves in the foot politically and saying, wow, I really stuffed that all up, I've got it completely wrong, we need to do things the opposite? Um, what is... What is the strategy right now that manages that that balance that politicians want between career and conviction? Well, here's the problem with all of them. So I'm not. I'm now talking about politicians because there's Labor premiers, there's a Liberal premier you just mentioned, there's a Liberal uh, prime minister. For me, it's very very simple, David. These people have spent um, the last eighteen months devolving all the decisions, really, uh, slavishly to the, to the medicos. Mm. There are more issues at stake than medical calls or public health calls on this. Exactly right. It's always been very, very clear. 
And the problem we have right now here in August 2021 is being is, is one that has been delivered by government, government failing. A government failing in terms of how to manage inbound people and quarantine and a big turf war there, which has been very unedifying. And secondly, it's about the failure of the vaccine roller. And it's not just because of the federal government. It's because of things like a Queensland chief health officer who has been instrumental in creating vaccine hesitation in this, uh, in this state. And there's huge stocks of AstraZeneca, but people don't want that because the CHO essentially said, you know, it's dangerous. And, and that's mm. the message that's out there. So those two things, inbound quarantine and vaccination. So what do they need to do now to answer your question? Well, very straightforward. The first thing is this, buy a date. No, no, I'm not the expert, but I'll pick a date. By the 15th of December this year, anybody who wants a vaccine will have been able to access a vaccine. My position on vaccines, I've had my first shot. I had it before the Premier of Queensland had hers, by the way. I'm waiting for my second one. It's in a week's time or so. And it's AstraZeneca. And I'd encourage people to go and talk to their doctor and see what vaccine's right for them. And I have no issue with the vaccines. I, I think it's the right thing to do. I think it's important. But anybody who wants a vaccine by that date will have had the opportunity to get it. At that point, we're opening up. We're not going to have lockdowns anymore. We're not going to shut borders. We're not going to have vaccine passports. We're not going to um, uh, have to use QR codes. Brilliant. If you get sick, the health system is there. We have a great health system in this country and we will do everything to look after you. And we're going to tell you that, you know, the consequences of getting sick could be grave in some isolated case, in, in a small number of cases. And we've seen that overseas that people could get quite sick. Um, and that's why, you know, you know, there's a recommendation there to get the vaccine. We should also look at alternative treatments. And I'm not going to get into that, but there's a lot of talk around out there Reputable yes. talk that there are treatments that people can 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 have to actually try and mitigate the severity of, of COVID nineteen. Yep. So that's that's that should be the plan in terms of um, community and public health. The other aspect to it is we need to open up the international borders. That's a bit more tricky, but we need at least in each state a proper regional quarantine facility that's like a mining camp or a caravan park on large where we're not having people sit in a hotel room down the corridor from someone who might actually have the bug and it's in the air system. I mean, mm. to, to, to keep using hotels when, when it's an airborne virus, yep. it's just just crazy, but they're yep. still doing it. And yep. my, I guess my final point is this is they have done a bad job that I, I just get really frustrated, as you can tell, that the mainstream media want to let them off the hook. It's an island. We could have done better. We should have done better. Again, yep. the problems we have today here in Queensland are due to the failings of the politicians and the bureaucrats and so, so on and so forth. New South Wales and Victoria, don't let them off the hook. Demand better. It's our tax dollars. Um, and this has to happen, by the way. This plan has to happen because at the end of the day, the people who are being pulverised into the dirt are small business and they will not survive. 
They will not survive if we don't yep. do this. And they pay the taxes. And you public servants and you politicians, you know what? You work for us. Just deal with, let's just go and deal with the specific, and you were sort of alluding to this, take the very many calls for Dr. Young, of the Dr. Young's made. Well, I happen to know right now that blood supplies in this city of Brisbane are incredibly scarce. Um, the Director of Medical Services at Greenslope Hospital this morning put out an email telling medicos involved in the hospital, you know, coming in and outside medicos, saying, you've got to be careful, save blood, don't, don't, you can't use blood. Wow. So what happens if they haven't got the blood group required for a particular patient? What yes. happens if someone dies because the blood supply at that point yeah. in time runs out? Now, God forbid that should happen, but that's yeah. a, that's collateral damage. The point is the point you made, David. This could be fought, and in the interests of our freedoms and liberties, the LNP should be fighting it. And if they if they won't, I sure as hell am going to. Yeah, and, and this is really the point: is that freedoms and liberties aren't selfish indulgences, uh, and and this is something we on the right super struggle with is we've got, <laughs> I don't mean to pat myself on the back, but we've got all this common sense and truth and and wisdom and we just package it like, uh, like it's, uh, I don't know, brown paper, whereas the left come out with this tyranny and authoritarianism and totalitarianism and they package it as compassion and kindness and love and, and humanity. And it's like, whoa, whoa. The lack of freedom and the lack of liberty is killing people. It's it's stopping people donating blood. It's stopping people get early cancer and heart disease and stroke Absolutely. and mental illness detections. We are actually killing people with government policy designed yeah, to David, be kind. David, we, um, many people may have seen this by now. I don't know if your viewers will have, but a 63-year-old man was arrested in the City Botanic Gardens in Brisbane in the last few days um, supposedly resisted arrest, but in the video, he looks, it all looks pretty calm to me. Um, they put him on, put handcuffs on him, and at some stage later, before they left the gardens, he has some sort of um, uh, seizure or, or, anyway, he's on the ground, can't mm. breathe, etc. Now, just stop right there. Why did he have to be arrested? Mm. Why did they have to put handcuffs on him? Why did they issue an infringement notice? Why didn't they issue something they, that uh, I believe they still do, which is called a notice to appear, in other words, the magistrate's court? Mm. Why, 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 why? And just hang on, he's 63 years old, okay? I'm almost that old myself, but he's in the group we're meant to be protecting. Yeah. Okay, we're meant to be protecting him and the elderly yeah. and, the, yeah. and the, the, the immune system compromised, and here we are, cardiac guy who then has some sort of um, life-threatening event. Now, yeah. the Queensland police are going the same way as the Victorian police. They are just getting full of themselves on this stuff. They're, they're, yeah. they're, they're, just, they're just really getting right into the moment. Yeah. And my final point on that one is, meanwhile, we have the criminal gangs back in Queensland. We've all seen, you know, uh, you know there have been in the last four or five years, you know, criminal executions on the Gold Coast. Yeah. So... I wish the police would go and catch real criminals, apply force, reasonable force, to real criminals, not 63-year-olds just out walking in the gardens who, who, who wouldn't do as they were told. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly right. And there's never ever been a proven transmission of COVID outdoors. Uh, so yes. the, the police yep. reaction was harmful with no possible benefit other than maintaining the dictatorship of of the public health officials. I really appreciate your uh, willingness to consider going back into politics. I appreciate the, the public pressure that you're putting on the government, um, just calling out the abandonment of, of their values, etc. Um, so if you ever have a, a breaking headline for us, um, you might not get quite the same circulation here as you do with the Courier Mail or the Daily Telegraph, but consider us favourably. Thanks, David. I'd love to do it again. And um, I just say that if I do decide to do this, I would appreciate all the support I, I could get Well, I do it as an independent. I'm going to need that help. But if I join a yep. party, uh, I hope people think about coming and joining that party because uh, um, that's the way we perhaps make even more of an impact nationally. Well, I'm a big believer in people really manually numbering their own preferences, uh, forgetting mm. how to vote cards and genuinely looking for the best candidates who represent the best values um, to to promote the flourishing of 25 million Australians and, and all you know, whatever state we're in as well. Um, so you'll definitely get a, a fair hearing uh, on the good source. But Thanks, um, Campbell, thank you very much for your time tonight. Cheers. Look, uh, there is more than double that. Uh, Campbell generously gave me a large amount of his time today and uh, I just wanted to keep it brief for tonight and get the, the main gist of it. But keep an eye out over the next few days. Uh, we're going to be putting lots of small clips with a question and an answer from Campbell. Uh, and each of them are just such great little packages in their own right. Uh, so make sure you're following me on uh, Telegram, Facebook, uh, especially where those clips are going to be going up. Uh, and uh, the whole episode of tonight's show will be on The Good Source uh, right now, in fact, uh, but also tomorrow when the podcast and, and full episode is uploaded. Uh, I might actually edit this a little to make sure that the uh, audio glitches, etc., are gone. So it's a, it's a nice um, little package. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, breaking news uh, today or even this week really is the uh, is Alberta, Canada? We've actually seen uh, some amazing new uh, happenings there, uh, and that is that the government there has basically said, "Hey, you know those rules? Everyone in the world has been claiming uh, was run by experts for the last uh, few years. Uh, out the window. This is uh, entirely better." So. <laughs> the really frustrating thing is uh, the citizens of Alberta, Canada, are protesting having freedom. They want the restrictions. So headline, amid pushback, Alberta Health Minister defends plan to ease COVID-19 isolation, masking and testing rules. Health Minister is defending the province's plan to do away with most of its public health measures aimed at curbing the spread of COVID-19 as case numbers climb in Alberta. Where do we get a health minister like this? Can we please get rid of Jeanette Young and every other health uh, officer and minister in Australia and get this person with common sense? Quote, this is a plan that is based on the science and based on the data, end quote. Well, magic bullet, now you can do whatever you want because you quoted science. He said during an unrelated news conference, we know that people will continue to have that anxiety. That's the way we trained them. 
But this was work that was done by public health based on the science, based on the data. Yep, we've been telling you for ages. Right-thinking people have been telling you for ages. The science is selective. The experts are cherry-picked. There is a whole lot more to worry about. And a whole lot of what you assert as science is highly debatable because that's the nature of science. Science doesn't say anything. Scientists say things. It's political. It's not indisputable. They're going to no longer notify close contacts of exposure by contact tracers, nor will they be legally required to isolate, although it's still recommended. The province will also end asymptomatic testing. If you aren't feeling sick, don't get tested. That's what they're saying in Alberta, Canada. Makes sense to me. I haven't been tested yet. Don't feel sick, don't have it. Further measures will be eliminated August 16th. People who test positive for COVID-19 will not be mandated to isolate at that time, but it is still strongly recommended. Isolation hotels will also close as quarantine supports end. You know what I've always said, the experts I've had on have always said, people are not rocks. If you tell them they're sick and infectious, a heck of a lot of people, most people, are going to stay home because it's the right thing to do. You don't need to force people to do the right thing. What you need to do is protect freedom. The lack of freedom, as we discussed with Campbell, is killing far more people than COVID-19. This is called balance, not treating everybody like rocks. Well, I don't want to keep talking about that forever. Alberta's getting it right. A bunch of its uh, safetyism, idolatrous uh, people, uh, you know, really upset that they're going to have a balance between safety and freedom uh, because uh, nanny state needs to look after them. Uh, look, talking with Campbell Newman, it's becoming really obvious uh, that all the rules are out the window. Uh, and I had a friend, uh, he's been on the show many times, Steve Kyler. Uh, he approached me with an, an idea a little while ago, um, and he's heard this elsewhere, and he wanted to to see what I thought. Uh, and you know, I was with him. I'm not 100% sure if this is something we can endorse yet, uh, because the hardest thing to coordinate is a political strategy across 25 million people or, you know, 10 million people or, or even... 10 people. Uh, it's really, really hard. And so I've always taught, look, just vote for the best candidate. Uh, rank them from best to worst. Or if it helps you from worst to best and then number them backwards, uh, the person you least have a problem with is the best representative of the people available. It's not an endorsement, but it is the way preferential voting works. But it's getting more complicated than that because we're in an alternate universe. We're in a parallel universe and alternate reality. And the reality is that we can't hold government forever. Uh, if we consider ourselves right of centre voters generally, and most of my audience is, eventually you're going to get a government you don't like. It might be five years, it might be 10 years, but it won't be 100 years. It will be sooner rather than later. What if instead of pretending that that would be the end of the world, like it never has been every other time power has changed hands, what if we actually accelerated and chose the time and place for this battle? 
What if we actually gave the Labor government the two or three terms they will have when this current government ends? And in that process, we punished the Liberal Party by removing every single person in it who doesn't represent us. If you have a Liberal candidate like Christopher Pine in your electorate, like Malcolm Turnbull, like Tim Wilson, uh, like Warren Ench, uh, like like Stephen Marshall, uh, you know, if we had some of these people in my electorate, I would want to vote for a Labor person because they are not Liberals. They're not Conservatives. They're not right-wing. And the fear of a, a Labor government isn't enough reason to keep letting the Liberal government keep taking advantage of us. Well, I'm going to have a chat with a Labor politician who has left the Labor Party later on. But right now, I want to bring Alexandra Marshall into the conversation. And we're going to have a bit of a discussion because I'm not sure that this is a good idea or a bad idea. Your comments are appreciated. Alexandra, welcome to the show. Great. You've got your internet uh, problems solved. Good to have you back. My extremely bad internet problems, yes. I was just thinking, listening to your Alberta uh, report, I'm going to go live in Alberta. It sounds like a great place to live given how bad Australia has become and I've always liked Canada. So uh, I think I'm going to book myself in Ozpost and have myself shipped there, preferably I know, by express. Uh, they're polite Americans. I just need to find somebody to sign for me at the other end so I don't get lost in shipment. That's the only thing I've got to do. <laughs> uh, but I was thinking also, when I was watching your intro ages ago, the beginning of this show, I couldn't help but notice you have that clip of Scott Morrison in there talking about freedom and being a free society. You need to add an emoji to that for a laugh out loud or whatever because that is so ironic now that we're it's discussing. It's been a long time topic. since he gave his maiden speech. <laughs> Oh, it's hard to watch how far we have fallen. Uh, but you're, you've gone quite a, a end-of-the-line apocalypse with your politics as we speak, with your let's just burn it all to the ground. Haven't uh, we all, though? <laughs> is isn't, well, is there anybody who hasn't given up hope on the Liberal Party? Look, I've always been of the opinion of just because Stalin is bad, don't vote for Hitler for punishing him. But I will come and support you with your idea of using the vote to punish the Liberal Party because they absolutely need to be punished for what they have done. So my slightly modified version of your pitchforks and storm the uh, storm the revolution is uh, to vote for the minor parties that are conservative, to, to pack the House with lots of independents and minor parties to make the pushing of, of legislation an absolute nightmare for whichever major party holds power. Because if yeah. you give Labor a complete mandate, just wait and see what they push through. You're much better that, off that to bring sense. it to a head. You're much better off to bring it to the head and make it very difficult so the people in power have to argue their case. And the more they argue their case, the more obvious it's going to become to everybody that they have no argument. Yep, so yep. vote for minor parties. It doesn't matter which minor party, preference all the minor parties ahead yep. of the two majors. And let's see what that looks like. Just pop up um, Deus Volt's last comment, Matt. Uh, he says he'd rather vote for minor parties, just like you're saying, um, Ellie. Let me get this exactly right. I'm not saying put Labor at the top of the ticket. Uh, what I'm saying is is a combination. Absolutely. Put all of the, the best candidates first, all of the good ones. What I would normally do is put all of my 
independent minor conservatives first, and then I'd put the liberal national LNP candidate uh, somewhere in the middle of the pack, uh, above Labor, above the Greens, and above the cuckoo fringe radical insane leftists and independents who might also be on the ticket. Um, Greens always at the dead set last bottom. Uh, just if you don't know why, ask me later. I'd love to tell you. But uh, what I'm saying now is maybe after we put all those minor conservatives and independent conservatives and l classical liberals and right-thinking people who are in favour of freedom and, and sensible traditional values, maybe then we put Labor above Liberal in the middle of the pack to make sure we get rid of uh, prancing poodles and other useless fake uh, right of centre politicians because we do need to burn the house down. And I just don't wonder if we haven't finally got enough frustration in the demos to actually achieve some of these more sophisticated electoral preferencing strategies that have been unachievable until uh, the COVID policies. Australia needs to gut the major parties, put the major parties last, preference whichever mm. independent you like first and, and minor parties and then work your way down the ticket and leave those major parties at the very bottom. Both Labor and Liberal have to be told that what they are doing is unacceptable. It's not only against the Constitution and the spirit with which this country was founded, it's against international human rights conventions. We've got Scott yep. Morrison coming out this week he knows that he can't introduce vaccine passports without coming uh, awry of various uh, agreements and treaties that he has signed. So he's putting pressure on the states to issue health orders to make private companies discriminate and segregate based upon medical status. Now, a good prime minister and a good leader would not try to find loopholes and ways around human rights agreement. It's just unbelievable what we are seeing happen to our Conservative Party and also to the Labor parties in the states who are just as bad. Yep. Naughty Design says acceleration is stupid. Um, with a, with a, a <laughs> ironic spelling. Uh, look, I, uh, that, you might be right, Naughty Design, uh, but I, I want to be really honest about considering its merits and its demerits, its pros and cons. Um, well, you know, uh, Dave, when are we, where's the Liberal Party at now? Like, how far have they already gone? We're talking about segregating people who are vaccinated, unvaccinated, having passports, getting people so they can't work, firing them from their jobs, locking them in their homes, making them unable to travel. I mean, how much further are the Liberal Party actually going to go? Are they going to stalk us in the street and make us have the jab whether we want it or not? Like, where yeah. is the line? Is there a line? Uh, and, and this is the question I've got. Like Malcolm Turnbull protested marriage, uh, marched in the political protest against the laws of the land. Uh, you, you're meant to be representing right-of-centre people, and, and it's just been a schmozzle. We've got the Liberal Party in New South Wales and South Australia introducing abortion to birth laws uh, and euthanasia laws. And, and like, what is left for the Labor Party to wreck that the Liberal Party haven't beat them to. It's just, uh, what what could uh, they do? Like, I mean, the, the, I just can't wait till the next election when the Liberal Party trot out there, where the fiscal conservatives line, somebody says, but you've raised debt a whole lot. And then they say, but Labor would have been worse. I mean, it's just, 
it's just so Dave, exhausting. Hold, hold up there. I'm going to say something positive about Malcolm Turnbull. Are you ready? At least you knew what kind of rat bag Malcolm Turnbull was, and he was consistent in his misguided views. But with Scott Morrison, he is somebody without conviction. He will chase whatever line that he thinks is going to be popular in the press. If, if the whole of Australia turned around tomorrow and said, we don't like lockdowns, he would change his stance overnight. He's only following whatever he thinks will do him good in the polls, and that is it. And you yeah. cannot read with somebody like that because they don't have any founding principles. And that's more dangerous than someone who does. Yep. Uh, let's see what some of the comments have. Um, Matt Thomas says, have set KPIs for Polly's pre-election uh, BS and hold them to account when they don't deliver. Look, some of these things we should be doing anyway. Um, and look, I, your audience, Ellie, my audience, we're, we're trying to help people get more sophisticated. And and the the biggest insult you could ever do to me if you've watched more than one episode of, of what I do is take a how to vote card and follow it instead of thinking for yourself. Uh, it's just, it's just. I mean, uh, I've wasted my time if you're not uh, actually examining candidates' voting records and actual promises if they're a first-time candidate. And I know promises are only worth so much, but they're all you've got um, at, at certain points. Um, and you're right. You know, we can hold them to account. If you make me a promise and you break it, well, you only get one chance. You're out no matter what, because whatever you tell me next is is going to be worthless. I might as well uh, try somebody else. Um, you know, ironically, but, ironically, one of the only pro uh, people in power to actually hold their promises was Donald Trump, and the press didn't like that at all. Not yeah. someone who gets up and does what they say they're going to. But one of your viewers just left an interesting question about Scott Morrison returning for the G7 and going a, a little bit different to when he started out. Just in response to that, uh, Scott Morrison, before he went to the G7, so this is a while ago, he had the Build Back Better branding, not just in one of his policies, but also on his Twitter account, and it was removed when he found out that it was unpopular. So Scott Morrison hasn't so much changed his mind from the, attending the G7, it's just that he now feels that he has enough public support to change his rhetoric, which goes back to what I was saying before. He will follow the narrative that we put in place. So if people keep begging to be locked down and begging for vaccine passports to be safe, then we are going to end up with a totalitarian state in no time. Yeah. Look, uh, one of the arguments for accelerationism, uh, when I was in Family First, uh, we got to choose some, you know, I was part of the team that, that considered where our preferences would go, both for values reasons and strategic benefit of the nation as well as strategic benefit of the members to to see you know what would help us get more influence and, and more uh you know electoral chances uh, one of the things we decided was that there were a number of of lnp or, or liberal federal members who needed to go one of those was wyatt roy and so the preferencing strategy we came up with uh, did help to contribute in ending Wyatt Roy's career. Uh, he lost, a Labor member came in, uh, but the next time the electorate of Longman pre-selected a candidate, they pre-selected somebody of substantially better calibre and conviction and conservative credentials than the rose, the dead fruit 
that uh, family first preferences had helped to prune. The regrowth was healthy and sweet. Uh, and that's the current member, Terry Young. Uh, much better um, record. Uh, Wyatt Roy was a, a Malcolm Turnbull light, uh, little Malcolm. And it was just fantastic to get rid of him. And, and that's what I, I guess is the hope of accelerationism. If we get rid of a lot of LNP coalition members, the, the, the worst of them at least, there's a very good chance that the regrowth is going to be better. Uh, look, it, I don't think it's entirely stupid, and I'm not 100% sold on it. I'm just, just wanting to chew the cud. You're just sharpening the tips of your pitchfork to see how it looks in the light. That's all you're doing. Uh, speaking, of, <laughs> speaking of acceleration, have you seen the new COVID shield document that the Federal Liberal Party have released? about? No, uh, no, I haven't. This is their brand new COVID policy they've finally unveiled. And in it, it includes this idea of hunting down and finding any dissenting conversation or mood shift related to vaccinations and making sure that that is corrected as quickly as possible by sending out public officials and personalities and coercing the media to change the narrative. So basically now we have wrong think being outlawed by the federal government. And if you dare to have a dissenting opinion, you will be tracked down and re-corrected one way or another. And I don't think that the federal government should have any say and any opinion on the public conversation. That's not their role. That's not what they, they were elected to do. And yet here we are having them protect their bad policy with coercion. How are, how are they, are they, what, physically turning up at my house or something to correct my opinions or is it the online? Document is, the document is unclear. Let's put it that way. It's more wow. of a framework for how they are intending to address matters of dissent. So you have to go and read the document, but like all uh, policy released, it hasn't been ironed out, it hasn't been specified, but there's definitely the intent to suppress dissent. Um. Sorry to uh, get distracted by you, but Kimberly Hone, a great um, worker in the Family First Party, uh, I think you're on the state executive as well, Kimberly, is uh, running for pre-selection for the Nationals in the seat of Richmond. Um, uh, yeah, I think so. If I've got the right Kimberly Hone, I think there's only one. Um, but uh, yeah, give, if you're in the seat of Richmond, um, look up Kimberly, ask her what she stands for. And uh, if those values match you, um, that's going to be a potential good candidate to put near the top of the ticket. Um, <laughs> yes, in your burn the house down philosophy, Dave, there, if you do live in an area where there is one or two good liberals or nats left in the party and there are, there are a couple, you can still vote for them. It's more about uh, being extremely careful who you vote for. Uh, it breaks my heart to not be able to support the major right-wing party and there's so many good people in it they're well, not right-wing they're not conservative that's, they're that's not. true they're just simply not that's true uh, kimberly makes the joke that i always make about my uh, little brother josh i call him my little bother uh i think she's returning the favor calling me a bother <laughs> uh good on you kimberly she corrected it with a, a typo after that <laughs> so funny uh is that what your article is about tomorrow that's coming out on the Good Source, Ellie, that policy? Uh, I mentioned it in one line. Unfortunately, the, the shield came out just as I was finishing that article. My article tomorrow is predominantly about emergency legislation being more dangerous than the emergency itself. And so it's about how powerful 
the emergency legislation is, what its intention actually was when it was written and how far politicians have come in misusing emergency legislation to expand their power. And yeah. as I point out in the article, the whole purpose of emergency legislation was to deal with scenarios that were uh, impacting immediately where there was no time for parliamentary process to catch up to something. This is things like there is an asteroid coming, we need to evacuate Sydney. There's been a terrorist attack, we need to evacuate the space. Yeah, things yep. like that which are immediate and short-lived and do not represent right. a permanent or major change to yep. our laws. Emergency was not meant to be a way of drafting and erasing privacy laws or locking Australians indefinitely up or ruining yep. the private business. That's not what it was about, and yet that is what we are seeing. Yeah, uh, and what the article is essentially about. So read it. Uh, I'm a little. I'm getting harsh. I think I'm getting cranky in my old age, where I'm no longer writing peaceful pieces. They're sort of getting a bit, you know, a bit pitchforky. Uh, we're all getting cranky now because, I mean, why wouldn't you? I mean, there's just that much anger at the people we elected to represent us. We elected to protect us. And they are turning out, as your article is going to point out, to be the bigger threat than the threats they're meant to protect us from. It's it's just insane. I had a particular right go response. at Scott Morrison. I had a particular go at Scott Morrison for uh, getting up in front of the cameras and pointing at healthy Australians and calling them and branding them a risk to public health, and then singling them out as a point of division because what he did there was incite part yeah. of the population to attack and victimise another group of Australians. And that is yep. unforgivable for a leader of this country, particularly a Conservative. Yeah, absolutely. Well, best let you get back to writing. Um, thank you so much for joining us on Palo Talk tonight. We'll um, try and uh, have a longer segment with you next week if you're available. I will be here, Dave. Don't you worry about that. And thank you for having me on. All right. Thank you very much, Ellie. Good night. Well, that's Ellie Melly, Alexandra Marshall. You can find her on Twitter at Ellie Melly. There's the details there. And, of course, on The Good Source tomorrow night, you'll be able uh, tomorrow uh, uh, get that um, article from her that will also be in the pod course, the pod course, the podcast, of course. Uh, and, um, yeah, that's going to be great to uh, grab that article from her. Well, coming up finally on Pello Talk tonight, uh, we have an interview with Jack Snelling. Uh, but first, I'm just going to read a little article, um, not an article, I'm sorry, a letter from Andrew Evans. Andrew Evans is the founder of the Family First Party. And uh, I've done an interview with him a long time ago, very senior gentleman right now. Uh, and he says... It is with mixed feelings that I write to you. Just over four years ago, after 16 years of keeping anti-family legislation from succeeding, Family First merged with the Australian Conservatives on the promise that they would continue the fight. Unfortunately, since that time, the South Australian Parliament has passed legislation that has allowed abortion up to birth and euthanasia. Despite their promises, Australian Conservatives vacated the role entrusted to them. A part of me is angry that it has come to this, but another part of me is excited. There is energy and determination developing in South Australia and around the country to stop the erosion of values that in a few short years will have dramatic effect on your life and that of your family. We know from well-placed sources that it is likely that there will be laws introduced next year that will further take away religious freedom, legalise prostitution 
and negatively impact parents and children who will be manipulated to think of their gender as a choice rather than God-given. While the major parties are obsessed with these issues, for most families, life just gets more and more challenging. This must change. At the 2018 state election, a number of good people from both major parties left parliament. They were replaced by people who do not understand the needs of families and are fueled by, instead by an ideology designed to change family life as we know it. This ideology is now rampant in both major parties and it's time someone spoke up for the family. I'm reading uh, a letter from Andrew Evans and that's available for you to read at familyfirstparty.org. I continue, quote, we also need to repair the parliament. We need to get good people elected and help remove those who don't vote to protect families, our traditions and our freedoms. In my view, we have been let down by the current Liberal government. We need to change the culture of that party and reform the culture of the Labor Party. I and others have concluded that the best way to change the parliament is to relaunch and rebuild the Family First Party. You will have seen that Jack Snelling and Tom Kenyon, both former Labor ministers, are part of this effort and we will be joined by others from the Liberal Party as well. I sat with Tom and Jack in state parliament and I can vouch for their character and their convictions. The reformed Family First Party will be focused as always on the family, but the strategy will be widened to not only include getting Family First members elected, but also on getting good people from both parties who share our values into parliament through our preferences. As you read, this work is underway, but I need your help. Our first job is to sign up 200 members, and you can do that at familyfirstparty.org. I want to encourage you. I'm not promoting Family First above and beyond all other minor parties and independents. What I do want to encourage you to do is to actually look far beyond the major parties because they are just so far from the values that uh, they are founded upon, both of them both of them. Uh, this isn't a partisan appeal. This is a common sense appeal. Will you just agree with God? Will you just agree with objective morality in, instead of political loyalty? Political loyalty is always misplaced and eventually betrayed. The best thing to do is to remember they work for you and continue to demand that they do the job properly. Uh, Matt, have we got that clip just about ready? Jack Snelling, welcome to Pello Talk. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with this rusted-on right-winger. <laughs> That's an absolute pleasure, Dave. Your main reason for starting Family First isn't got nothing to do with religion, is it? I mean, we're certainly concerned uh, about the direction of things in South Australia. We've seen uh, the current government uh, introduce uh, legislation to allow for abortion on demand up to birth, to allow for euthanasia. Um, and we're now seeing them circulate legislation that will take away the exemptions that exist for faith-based organisations uh, in the Equal Opportunities Act. So we'll take away the right, for example, of Christian schools to employ uh, teachers whose values are in sync with the school and, and who come from the faith tradition of the school. Um, my kids have gone to Christian schools um, and the fact that all the teachers are practicing Christians is integral to the to the whole uh, ethos of the school. And to see that taken away, I think, would be something very bad um, and something, you know, it's the reason most parents at that school, at, at those schools we've sent our kids to, 
have done so. Um, and uh, I can't believe that we're seeing this coming from a, a Liberal government. Well, from this Liberal government, it's just the latest in a shocking array of radical left policy positions. Um, so unfortunately, we perhaps shouldn't be surprised. But uh, tell me, is is your plan to legislate positively for religious freedom or is it to maintain the status quo and not unwind some of the existing things? Mm, that's a good question. Um, one that requires a lot of thought. I think in the first instance, we just, we're, we're sort of, to be honest, a reactive party. We're seeing what's happening and we really want to stop or, or, and try and bear, bear some, um, bring some influence to bear on the government. I mean, the thing is, uh, my perception is that both Labor and Liberal parties, Labor, the Labor Party doesn't believe Christian votes can be won and the Liberal Party doesn't think Christian votes can be lost. Um, and until Christians are prepared to basically swing behind uh, people with values, people who will protect their freedoms, we're going to continue losing, losing these battles. We had exactly 5,000 right. 5, people march in the Walk for Life um, in, in Adelaide. Um, the numbers of people who wrote to MPs opposed to the abortion of birth legislation as opposed to those who supported would have run, I would say, 99% of, of letters to MPs were opposed. Wow. The, you know, on the contrary, the protests in favour of the legislation scraped together a few hundred people at most. Wow. Um, and yet... And, and yet Members of Parliament, you know, put through in overwhelming numbers this this radical legislation, um, and I think I, I think that needs to be a wake up call for us. Uh, yeah, the old party political allegiances and tribal loyalties can no longer uh, apply because the direction this debate's going is from one of uh, uh, licitness from allowing things like abortion to birth and euthanasia to one of being. Uh, compulsory or taking away freedoms. So the rights of, of Christian doctors to uh, uh, to conscientiously object from things like abortion and euthanasia are being removed. The rights of Christian faith-based hospitals to not have those procedures in their hospitals and being forced to refer uh, are being removed as well, moves afoot to take those things away. Yep. And uh, unless we unless we start thinking very, very differently as, as Christian voters, um, you know, we're in a lot of trouble. Yeah, you're 100% right. And you're, you, yes, you're exactly uh, saying what I've been saying for many years, and, and that is you, you can't judge your vote based on the person's party. The Liberal Party has taken Christians for granted for far too long. And if we continue to facilitate their confidence, uh, they will continue to take us for granted and continue to lurch ever further to towards far left policies and, and further away from good traditional standards. Now, tell me, um, I've got so much I want to talk to you about. I'll have to have you back for a, a long form interview one time if, if you can, um, with a little bit more planning and, and notice. Um, thanks for being available at short notice uh, today. But um, I, I Let's let's try and keep this answer short because I want to respect your time and we can talk more at length about it. But on the topic of religious freedom, uh, there's a, a great school of thought that says status quo legislation is okay. What we have to do is unwind some of the weaponized legislation, such as the anti-discrimination tribunals 
uh, you know, bent towards curbing uh, traditional values, Christianity and other such, the expression of other such sentiments. What are your thoughts? Can that egg be unscrambled? That's a hard question to ask in a short period of time, Dave. Um, yeah, look, we'll have yeah, a longer conversation about it. Yeah, I mean, there are two schools of thought, and I think there's merit in both sides. I mean, there are there are arguments against using anti sort of essentially using anti discrimination legislation to proactively protect Christians and protect um, protect faith, mm. um, and then there are those who would say, well, actually. Um, the problem is this legislation full stop and and we shouldn't be uh, we shouldn't be adding another layer of uh, of this um, you know, another layer onto this already complex uh, legislation mm. I, I'd probably fall more into the former camp to be honest uh, I think uh, I think at least strategically and politically our best bet, is to use um, these uh, use these protections to also protect freedom of religion and to ensure that there's rights to conscientious objection. But there will yep. be people who disagree with me, and look, we can disagree in good faith. But I think at the moment, really, you know, the key battle is to we least need to stop the slide um, yep. that we're seeing into um, these things, uh, uh, you know, getting worse and worse, and and you know, getting to the point where you know, in effect. Um, it's going to be, uh, uh, yeah, the, it's, I, I would call it, it's heading towards the criminalisation of Christianity. Yeah. Um, and we've seen that in Victoria where, you know, just traditional sexual teaching, um, it, you know, is for all intents and purposes uh, criminalised. And that's, yeah. uh, that, that's really dangerous, dangerous for Christians. Sure. Now, one of the heroes of mine politically is uh, the man who retired at the age of 65 and then decided it was a good time to begin a career in politics, Andrew Evans. Uh, he started the Family First Party and um, was very successful in his retirement career. Um, and that's the kind of retirement I think we should all aspire to, making fantastic changes for the residents of South Australia and, and Australia generally, a, a great a legislative achievement record for a, a minor party. Um, in my role, uh, former role, many, many years ago as a state executive member of the Family First Party in Queensland, uh, we came under criticism quite frequently for the strategic preference deals uh, that we made. And it was a constant battle for me to educate people, you know what, you control your preferences. The party doesn't control your preferences. Only the person holding the pencil to the ballot paper chooses where preferences go. However, um, if, if there is a benefit to the members, if we can do some strategic preference deals, can you give us an indication of what kind of preferences you would generally be considering at the moment as a former Labor member? Will they be mostly towards uh, those on the right wing of the Labor Party? Um, will you be preferencing traditional family value candidates, whatever side of politics they're on? Or you know what kind of uh, deals are already in place, and and um, and and what I guess that's a question everybody in South Australia is going to want to know. If they uh, follow the Family First How to Vote guide, uh, where are your preferences going to be directed? Generally speaking, one thing we've made very very clear from the outset is we will not be doing a preference deal with either of the major parties. Um, 
I think in the past with Family First, it's been a bit of a mistake. They've prioritised getting uh, someone elected, getting a legislative council elected uh, over and above um, the influence that they might have in lower house seats and encouraging good people into parliament. Um, so, uh, you know, for example, my colleague, Tom Kenyon, Tom in his maiden speech spoke out against abortion and the best he could get out of Family First was a split ticket and the other elections they preferenced against him and to the Liberal candidate. Was the person he was against also against abortion? Uh, well, the, the person who's taken over from him in the seat, in the seat of Newland, voted for euthanasia and for abortion. At That's the, the Liberal person. That's the Liberal candidate who won at the now, last... Now, let me last... interject here for, for the sake of you having somebody else say it. If, you, mm. <laughs> if you've got a Labor member who is pro-Christian values, anti-abortion, anti-euthanasia, anti-prostitution, and you have a Liberal conservative member who's pro-abortion, pro-euthanasia, or just not actively opposed to them, you have to vote the way Jesus would use your vote, and you have to vote for the best candidate with the best set of policies affecting these essential, critical, existential justice issues. Um, and so for me, if that was my vote, I'd be voting for the the pro-Christian values Labor guy long before a anti-Christian values Liberal guy. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think what happened in the past is, and I, this is not a criticism, it's just, just, just reality, but in the past, Family First would say, well, the most important thing we can do to get some, is to get someone elected. And we get someone elected by doing a preference deal with the Liberal Party, whereby they give us their preferences in the Legislative Council and we preference them in the lower house. Um, now, right. Tom, and I, Tom and I are coming at it from a very different perspective. We think we can bear a lot, have a lot more influence through our, our preferences in the lower house and preferencing against um, sitting members who have voted for abortion of birth, voted Brilliant. for euthanasia, voted yep. for prostitution. Um, and we think that's the way that we can send a clear lesson uh, yes. to those who hold the levers of power that you know Christian votes are there to be won and they're there to be mm. lost. Um, yep. And they need to think very, very carefully about the, what their approach on, on these issues, particularly as we move on from just allowing things to actually um, uh, 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 um, uh, requiring, you know, requiring yeah. things. You know, as it moves from just being um, a, a policy of um, licit or less, you know, licit, allowing things to happen to, you know, mm. you must do this, you must refer for abortion, you must refer for you to euthanasia. Um, you must employ atheists in your in your school. You can't, you know, discriminate in favour of practising Christians. Yeah, no. Look, there's nothing more fascinating to a, a generally right of centre Christian conservative than um, a generally left of centre uh, politician with with Christian values, uh, especially on social issues. Um, so uh, you, you're a, a creature of fascination and exotic appeal, Jack. <laughs> Thank you uh, very much for the conviction and, and courage that you're showing for, for these values. They're much neglected in the political landscape at the moment. And, uh, you know, the theme for tonight is just all rules are off. It's like the, the laws of physics have been suspended and we're an entirely different universe. Uh, so it's... 
couldn't agree with you more. I mean, things have just changed so much just in the last three years. And um, yes. really, you know, Christians and people of goodwill, um, and it's not just Christians. This, these things affect people of all faiths. That's uh, right. Need to really seriously think, um, uh, yep. rethink about, um, you know, the way we vote and to be a lot more, far more strategic in the way we do it. Yeah. Well, Jack Snelling, um, thank you very much. And I look forward to um, making a, a longer appearance in your diary in the not too distant future. Thank you. Look forward to it. Well, that was uh, Jack Snelling. And the next South Australian election will be held on the 19th of March, 2022. That's just three weeks after the next church and state summit. Uh, now, the current Premier of South Australia, Stephen Marshall, and uh, his uh, Attorney General, Vicky Chapman, uh, they belong to the Christopher Pine faction, uh, about the most leftist creatures in politics you could find and they're in the Liberal Party. You need to think very, very seriously. If you're in South Australia, if the uh, Liberal candidates or members of Parliament in your electorate truly represent your values and if they truly deserve your primary vote. Uh, we've seen the South Australian Liberal Party uh, this year make headlines for all the wrong reasons, not only a raft of terribly uh, unjust human rights abuses posing as laws, uh, but even their proactive mission to expel and reject Christians from the party. Uh, this is not the party that you can vote for. Now, you maybe should become a member of the party to help influence it, to help change it, to help get better people into the pre-selections and get rid, rid of some of these incumbents and, and other leftists that are trying to take over. But be aware that will be a game requiring patience and maybe a decade's worth of it before you will actually see any fruit for it. But that's a very important job uh, because right now there is no alternative major party. We really do have to just create some kind of logjam in Parliament by having so many minor parties and independents that passing vast amounts of legislation is just difficult. And government should move slow. It should be small. There shouldn't be easy for one party to rule with absolute recklessness, as we see being so common. Uh, it doesn't need to be easy for politicians. It needs to be slow. It needs to be hard. It needs to be careful. And it needs to be deliberate. Um, so I'd encourage you to have a consideration of Pauline Hanson's One Nation Party, the Great Australia Party, uh, Family First Party, and, and there's so many other uh, right-thinking people who are putting up good candidates far better than the current Premier and his cohort in South Australia. Uh, it's a great piece of advice to follow all across the nation. Put all of the right-thinking people at the top of your ballot and then maybe flip a coin on how the major parties go in the middle of that ballot and of course putting the greens dead last but uh, something very serious to consider before the march election in south australia well i think we've pretty much come to the end of the show for pillow talk tonight i thank you very much for your company i thank you very much for your support donations that have come in even during this show tonight very gratefully appreciated apologies again for the technical glitches uh we're looking forward to um, having 
more infrastructure and support. I'm going to have to show you some photos of the studio renovations going on at the moment. We're changing the storeroom into an office and production room, which is exciting. And now we just need to find somewhere to put everything. But right now it's on the production floor. But uh, that's it for this episode of Hello Talk. And we will see you next week at the same time. Good night. Today. We need a special kind of courage, not the kind needed in battle, but a kind which makes us stand up for everything that we know is right, everything that is true and honest. We need the kind of courage that can withstand the subtle corruption of the cynics, so that we can show the world that we are not afraid of the future.